Tonight, we're going to be going to 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, which you just heard. And I need you to do me a favor, if you would, everybody grab your Bible and hold it up in the air. Come on, let me see you. Bring your Bible to the mix. Anytime we are gathering together at the mix or at Bellevue for worship, you should be bringing your Bible every single time. Some of y'all maybe say, well, I got it on my phone, or I'm going to share with my neighbor, or I've memorized the whole Bible. I don't bring it anywhere anymore. But here's the deal. Regardless, you should always bring your Bible with you when we're going to worship. Because God is going to speak to you in new ways and reminding ways from His Word. And so today we're going to learn about the Word of God. How many of y'all have ever heard of a world view? Anybody ever heard of that before, that word before? Well, tonight, if you're taking notes at all, we're going to be calling tonight's lesson called Building a Biblical Word View. We're trying to build a biblical word view. It's really saying, what is your perspective on the Word of God? How do you see the Word of God? So the very first passage in 2 Timothy 3, through 6, 3 16, 17 says this, All Scripture is breathed out by God. All Scripture is breathed out by God. What does that mean to a middle school student who is reading that in 2 Timothy? What does that mean to you? You see, in this passage, I think there's three things we can learn. Number one is this, is that the Word of God is perfect. It is perfect. It's been given and spoken by God himself. God has been the one who has written the Bible for you. He, it, the words that are on those pages began in the mind of God, was carried out and spoken through the Holy Spirit of God, through the hands and the power of the men of God. Like He would empower them to write down what he would place on their heart. If God is big enough and strong enough and good enough to create the world that we see all around us in seven days, is he not strong enough and good enough to write a book for you? A book that is going to be used to teach you so many things in your journey of life. I was at lunch the other day with a guy named Alex Ertz. Alex works on our media team here at Bellevue. We went to a place called Las Palmitas. It's a Mexican joint right down the street that we love. It's so good. And here's the deal. I was sitting at the dinner table with him, and I said to Alex, we're talking back and forth about, about missions, about believing the Bible and stuff, and this is what he said. He said, I have a friend who's a pastor on the west coast of the United States, and he said, I sat in the room with a bunch of other people who were all Christians, who would all say that they're believers and Christians. He said, we sat in the room, we were talking about whether the Bible can be truly trusted, whether it is whether it's true or not, whether you can believe it to be the true word of God. And he said, in a room of all these other people who were, said they were Christians, said this, he was the only one in the entire room that believed that the Bible was entirely true. These are people in this room that are teachers, and they teach the Bible and different things. And they said, well, can we really even know if it's truly true? Can we really know? And this guy's like, are you kidding me? This is foundational. Like, how can you even build your life as a Christian around the idea that Jesus saved you if you don't believe in the truth of the word, the message of God? And here's the deal. Before we go any further tonight, if you don't understand this, that the book that you have is so different than the book of, you know, Harry Potter or the Chronicles of Narnia or Garfield, like, if you don't believe that this book 
is not divine in its nature, why would you ever pick it up? Why would you ever read it? How does this change your life if it's not from God? I'm going to tell you right now, students, there are going to be people all over your journey of life ahead that will tell you that you are crazy for believing that the Bible is entirely true. You will get to high school, you will get to college, you'll be in your workplace one day, and people are going to tell you that they think that you are crazy for believing in this Bible. But I'm going to tell you this, if you can't build your life on this, where do you go? If this isn't true entirely, then I shouldn't trust it at all. It needs to be entirely true, entirely trustworthy for me to truly believe it. I'm going to ask you this question. I want you to talk about it with your groups real quick, and then we're going to come back. I'm going to show you a video. What would you say to somebody if they said, hey, I, I respect what you say, but like, I, I don't really believe that the Bible is true. How would you respond to someone who says that to you? Now, obviously, you want to respond in love, but how would you, how would you give a testimony? How would, you, how would you try to convince them that the Bible is truly the Word of God, divine in nature, and truly the words that God has given to us today? It's His words. It's a special divine book. How would you tell, how would you answer someone who spoke to you and said they disagree with that? How would you convince them? So, in your small groups, talk with your group about what you would respond to your friends or maybe a classmate who has a different view on what the Bible is in your groups. Go ahead. Hi, my name is Rick Jones. I'm on staff here at Bellevue Baptist Church, and I'd like to spend the next few minutes talking with you about the idea of, can we trust the Bible? Proverbs 30 verse 5 says, every word of God proves true. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be adequate, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Just saying something is true does not make it true. And fortunately for us, we can test the Bible to see if it is true. Areas where the Bible can be tested and observed, the unique message. The Bible says salvation is by grace through faith and not of works. Jesus is the only way to heaven. No other religious belief system says that about their message. The unity of the message is next. The Bible was written over 1,500 years by 40 different authors, yet the Bible has one message, God's love and redemption. The Bible is the greatest story ever told. God created, humanity rebelled against God, God promised a deliverer, God sent a deliverer, His name is Jesus. Yeah, there's, there's seven different reasons he walks through in a very small, like, five-minute video about reasons we can trust the Bible that are outside of the Bible. Like, reasons we can trust it that aren't just because the Bible says it's true, but because maybe philosophers would agree with this, or because the accuracy of the message, or the unity of the message, or because people that are against the message still say that it's a true message. There's so many reasons that he walks through. And if you want to know more about this, I'm not going to go into it tonight, but I'm telling you, every one of you ought to be thinking about why do you believe the Bible is true? You ought to know that. You ought to understand that. You ought to have a good defense so that when you walk into your school classrooms or you face a professor one day or someone just, can, just challenges on it, you can be able to give a good account, a full account of why you firmly believe that the Bible is fully true and divinely the Word of God. I challenge you, if you want to grow in that, know more about that, we have some 
resources here on campus that we can give you or point you towards online. So if you want to know more, come find myself or Garrett or Morgan or Abby or Grace. One of us would be glad to help you in that direction. Okay? Here's the second thing. So not just as God's Word is perfect. It is the divine Word of God. But second is this. All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable is what it says. So God's Word is not just perfect, but it's also profitable. It means that it's value. It's worth investing time in. I remember I talked to Brother Steve one day. Some of y'all have heard me say this, but I remember I said, Steve, what would you tell a young guy to put my time into right now in ministry? And he said, I would tell anybody the best tool for you right now, the best investment of your time is to memorize the Word of God. I thought he was going to say something huge and elaborate. He said, just store the Word up in your heart. He said, it will be the greatest investment for you. And I believe what Paul is writing here to Timothy, he's saying, listen, the Word of God is so rich. It is such a great investment. It's such a profiting thing. It's so useful for a, for a believer. And he says four reasons that he just names here, but there's more than just these four. But he says these four, and the first one is this, profitable for teaching, which I think is the first one he comes out the gate with, because that's the number one that we probably know about. The Word of God, I mean, the Bible is constantly teaching us new things. It's teaching us about the character of God. It's teaching us about the testimonies and stories of God. It's teaching us about the, 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 the way that God worked in the Old Testament and the New Testament and His plan for salvation. It teaches us about us, about mankind, about all of us, about creation. And I could go on and on about what the Bible teaches us about. But it's so key that you realize that the Bible is used for teaching. It teaches our hearts. It teaches our spirit. It grows us as a believer. And the second one is this, reproof. Reproof in this passage sounds like a funny word because we rarely use the word reproof. But what it means is like rebuke or to convict or to, to call out. What we see in this passage right here is that the Bible is used to convict our hearts, to show us where we're missing it. And then it says it corrects. It's useful for teaching, for reproof, and for correction. I think about a ship. If a, if a boat is on a course, it goes, so the captain goes to bed at night, wakes up in the morning, and finds out that he has moved his ship to where it's now facing the wrong direction, he would look at the map and it would correct him. He would be able to move his ship and correct it back on course. And that's what the Bible does with our life. Daily, it recorrects our course and puts us on the path that the Lord has made for us. And the last one I would say that we see in this passage is that it trains us for righteousness. For training in righteousness. I love what they said. They said that the, the motions of training for righteousness. What does that mean to train us in righteousness? Do y'all remember when we went through Psalm 1 not too long ago? We went, through, we went through the first Psalm in Psalms. Psalm chapter 1 and it says this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the way of the wicked nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in what? The law of the Lord, meaning the word of God. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. All the time he's storing the word up in his heart. Why? Why does someone do that? So that he might not sin against God that he might walk in the right way, that he might be like a tree planted by streams of living water, bearing its fruit in its season, its leaf never withers, prospering in all that it does. There's a way that's training in the way of the wicked, and there's a way that's training in the way of the righteous. 
The word is what leads you and helps you to walk in a path of righteousness. Students, the word of God is so good. It is so a blessing in our life. Some of you may have experienced some ways that the word of God has been a blessing to you. Maybe it's taught you in some moments. Maybe it's, maybe it's convicted you in moments. Maybe it's reminded you of the course you're supposed to be on and helped correct that. Or maybe it's been training you up as a young man or woman of God to walk in righteousness. I want you to take a moment with your groups and talk about ways that the word of God has been a blessing with, with you in your life on your journey as a Christian. What are ways that the word of God has been an impact, has made an impact on your life? Go. <laughs> And I want to bring up, is Morgan Quorum in the room around here? Come on, Morgan, come on up. Yeah, yeah. Morgan, Morgan and I were talking earlier in the office, and I was mentioning about how the Word has been used for moments in our life where the Word has really made an impact on us. So I thought she would come and share just a quick moment for her. Specifically, you said it was about two years ago, right? A year and a half ago. A year and a half ago. Yeah, go ahead. Why don't you tell the group? Well, I was just telling my group back there, there was a time in my life where I was just really, if I'm just honest with y'all, I was mad at the Lord. There was something in my life, just a circumstance that didn't work out the way I thought it would, didn't work out the way I thought I wanted it to. And so I was upset and I was like, Lord, why would you have it come right up until the time where it would have? And then you took it away from me. And so that was my wrong view of God. That was my wrong view of my circumstance. And so Truly, I hadn't read scripture in probably a week. And so I finally just felt, I just felt so convicted. I was like, Lord, I need to, I need to hear from you. So I opened my Bible, and I can't really remember what passage it was, but it was in the New Testament. And I remember it just, the revelation of oh, the law of the Lord brings freedom. Just like what we were talking about, that it is profitable, that it is good. And through that, oh, just all throughout scripture we see God is good. God is faithful to his people. God is kind. God is loving. And so immediately when I opened my Bible, my heart was softened. And so my wrong view of the Lord to say, oh, Lord, you are not good to me in this, was gently corrected by his word. Because that's what we see all throughout scripture, is that those characteristics of him stayed true. And so why would they not stay true in my life? Well, they would, because that's who God is. And so just really gently he just corrected me and corrected my wrong view of him because it came back to his word, which is perfect, which is profitable. And so that was just, man, I just always remember that when I think of the word of God, that it, it softened even my hard heart towards him to, to gently remind me of who he is and that he loves me and that he yeah. is good despite my circumstance at that time. So, no, that's yeah. so good. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate that, Morgan. So Morgan shared a story, but where she was convicted by the word of God and it was also like, encouraging. Like it reminded her, it corrected her course, right? And there's so many times in your life where you maybe been taught or rebuked by scripture or corrected by scripture or just trained in how to walk in life. And that's all, that's not because you read a how-to book. That's not because you heard it on the radio. That's because you spent time in the word. You heard from the Lord. And I'm going to tell you students, the best investment of your time as a middle schooler is in the Word of God. Which brings me to the reason that comes the last one, that the Word of God not just is perfect, and it's not just profitable, but here's the last one. It is preparing you. Like, it, is, it prepares people. It prepares the reader. The Word of God prepares you for something. I remember this. I'm going to share a story. 
Growing up, and even today, my favorite sport is golf. That's right. Anybody fans of golf out there? Okay, all right, me and four others. What's up, guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I loved growing up playing golf all the time, and oftentimes we'd go to our tournaments. We would grab a hotel room, and I would take my clubs inside because I wasn't going to leave them in the truck overnight. Not because I was afraid they would get stolen, but because every day before the game day would hit, I would pull out my clubs, I would take my scrubber, and I'm telling you, I'd be in my hotel room on the floor scrubbing my clubs. These bad boys looked brand new every time I played with them for district or regionals or different ones. I would put my clubs up at the end of that. I would grab my golf balls out, and I would take the, uh, the markers that I had, and I would draw on them. Each one of them would have like a line. Can you all see this? Is there a way you can maybe not zoom in? But there was a line on every one of them for the putting stroke, and then like I would like mark it with my initials. Like I was getting game day ready every single night before my tournament. I would spend 45 minutes to an hour with my clubs just preparing, getting them all cleaned up and set up. My bag was ready. I'd put my snacks in the bag. I would put my, my, my spot for my drink is in this little like freezer spot where it would be like holding my drinks and different things. I'm telling y'all, y'all think I'm nerdy and weird, but this was exciting for me, all right? I loved getting ready for the tournament day. I tell y'all that because here's the deal. Y'all are facing... High school in front of you, you guys are facing college in front of you. One day y'all are going to at some point date somebody and get married and start a family down the road. I know, ew, right? Yeah, I get it, right? It's all going to happen down the road one day. And I promise you want to be prepared for what the Lord is preparing you for down the road. And if you don't spend time right now being equipped, getting game ready, storing up the word in your heart, preparing and building a firm foundation of truth now, you are going to struggle when you hit game day. You've got to, as a student, begin storing the word up in your heart so wise that you might be complete, equipped for every good work. Complete and equipped for every good work. It begins in the Word of God. I remember as, like at Christmas time this past year, I bought my nephew an uh, Avengers Lego set. You know, this is what, like the Lego blocks, you know what I'm talking about, like these kind of things. I bought a Lego set, and on the outside of the box, it had like all these different Iron Man guys and different things. And so I remember I sat down on Christmas morning. I sat down with my nephew. We were side by side, and then all of a sudden my nieces showed up, and we were just tearing into this box and starting to put stuff together. And I remember my older, my older nieces, they came over and they were just putting pieces together left and right, which was great. But they weren't following the manual, all right? And I was stressed out. I was like, guys, 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 we need to follow the manual. If we don't follow the manual, the end product is going to look different than what's on the box, right? Y'all with me? Anyone ever open Legos and just jumped in and start tearing through them? You know, you're going to build the Millennium Falcon by yourself. You don't need the instruction manual. All the girls are like, no. All right, I'm sorry. All right. We were tearing into it. And what I learned was this, is that if I would not take the time to see what the manual says, 
if I would not take time to see what the author says, if I would not take time to see what God says, then the final product, the final design would look far different than the person intended it to be. If you want your life to look and walk through the plans that God has set for you, you've got to know what he says in his word. Or else you're going to face 6th grade, 7th grade, and 8th grade, and you're going to be like a wave tossed to and fro in the sea, just cast around, beat around with no rhyme or rhythm. You're going to be like the man who built his life on the sand, and when the waves came in, they washed it all away. But if you can be like someone, a young man or woman, who would be complete and equipped for every good work by building a foundation of biblical truth, I promise this, guys, I promise. Listen, right here. If you can really fall in love with the Word of God, if you can really live a life that is based off of what God says and not what man says, I promise, students, you are going to live the best, most joyful, most treasurable, most profitably, like not physically rich, but like in just rich in life of joy and hope and peace. You're going to live the life the Lord has destined for you when you will fall in love with the word of God. When Joshua was about to enter into the promised land in Joshua 1.8, he says, be strong and courageous over and over again. But this is what he says, he says, this book of the law, the word of God, should not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Because this is what he says. He says, you are about to enter into a new place. You're about to enter into a new land. And if you don't stick close to the word of God, you are going to be in shambles. But he says, if you can stick close to the word, if you can meditate on it day and night, be, day and night, being careful to do according to all that is written in it, he said this, then you will have great success and you will find prosperity along the way. This is not a prosperity gospel where you're going to get Lamborghinis and a ton of money every single day because you read the Bible. That's not it. But what this is saying is that the best life possible for you, the best life that God has designed for you is found in the one who builds it on the word of God. Students, all of Scripture has been breathed out by God. It is divinely true and perfect. And it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness in your life. And when you build your life on that profitable word, here's what's going to happen. It's going to prepare you for every good work, making you a complete man or woman for what God has in store for you. How many of you are going to build your life on the word of God? Anybody with me? Yeah. I challenge you this week to think through ways that you can start equipping yourself with the Word of God. I'm going to ask a question to all your groups, and we'll finish up with one more song. I just want to ask you, what are ways in your life right now you can begin equipping yourself with the Word of God? What are ways you can begin equipping yourself with the Word of God? Leaders, you're welcome to share testimonies of how that's happened in your life if students are unsure what that answer is, okay? Now go ahead.